Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Uh, Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our time of prayer and scripture reflection. Hope you are well today. Feel free to leave your prayer requests in the comments. And let's come into the presence of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we come before you today with joy. We ask your forgiveness for our sins. Any way we have offended you by what we have done, what we have failed to do, we ask you to cleanse us of sin, renew us in your grace and in the new way of life in Christ Jesus. Bless us now with a deeper understanding of your word and a deeper fidelity to it in our lives. We pray through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, our reading today comes from the 17th chapter of the book of Genesis where you look at Abraham and the role of life, specifically the role of childbirth in God's revelation of salvation and its history. Genesis 17 starts this way. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God the Almighty. Walk in my presence and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. God also said to Abraham, On your part, you and your descendants after you, must keep my covenant throughout the ages. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you that you must keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. God further said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai. Her name shall be Sarah. I will bless her, and I will give you a son by her. Him also will I bless. He shall give rise to nations and rulers of peoples shall issue from him. Abraham prostrated himself and laughed as he said to himself, Can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Or can Sarah give birth at ninety? Then Abraham said to God, Let but Ishmael live on by your favor. God replied, Nevertheless, your wife Sarah is to bear you a son, and you shall call him Isaac. I will maintain my covenant with him as an everlasting pact to be his God and the God of his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I am heeding you. I hereby bless him. I will make him fertile and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall be the father of 12 chieftains and I will make of him a great nation. But my covenant I will maintain with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with him, God departed from Abraham. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters, the God of life, proving himself to be such by choosing 
a barren couple, the wife 90, Abraham just about 100, and saying you're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars. Notice how he laughed. He doubted. Zechariah, too, the father of uh, John the baptizer, he doubted and was punished with muteness. He didn't believe God's power. We have to believe in the power of the God who gives life and is able to create life out of nothing. And that's a, such a powerful message for pro-life because when you look at the circumstances of an unexpected pregnancy and you listen to the people who are tempted to have abortions, they, although not facing the, the same situation that Zechariah or Abraham and Sarah were facing, nevertheless, you can fill in the blank with whatever the obstacle is. They see it as impossible to have a child. And God in these scriptures is telling us, first of all, I am sovereign. I decide if a child will be conceived. And it is up to you to cooperate with me in my will, which is that that child should live. And I will give you all the grace and strength that you need. To do that. And the second lesson coming across here, I want to connect it with a number of other scriptures, is that childbirth itself is the process by which God advances salvation history. Because one of the descendants of Abraham, a descendant of David, will be the Messiah. And you see at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, the fulfillment of this promise that we just read from Genesis 17, and as much as you have the genealogy of Jesus showing that he's the son of Abraham, son of David, showing that life triumphs unto the birth of the one who is life, who is resurrection, Jesus himself. Now, you think about a number of other scriptures. Isaiah, Isaiah 7, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall name him Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus speaking on the night before the uh, crucifixion, saying that, well, let's go to it. It's in John 16, 21. He uses the example, again, of childbirth to uh, describe what is happening with salvation history. Uh, John 16, starting in uh, verse 21, Jesus says... Um, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And on that day, you will have no more questions to ask me. So Jesus is, first of all, he obviously is affirming that the birth of a child into this world is a cause for joy. But he says that, you know, the labor pains arrive and there's a period there of distress and anguish. But he's using that to symbolize the whole process by which he's saving the world. So this this Messiah foretold in the context of the virgin shall conceive and bear a child is now using again childbirth 
as an explanation of how he's leading the whole world into the joy of the kingdom of God. Paul returns to this theme in his letter to the Romans. And you'll recall this passage from Romans 8. We go to verse uh, 20, uh, 20, uh, let's start to tw with 20. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await, eagerly await adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. In the hope of the joy of the birth of a child through the distress of childbirth. And we can, again, in the context of pro-life, extend that into the distress of the pregnancy itself. Jesus and Paul, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, is using that whole process to teach us that the pain is worth it. The inconvenience is worth it. The distress is worth it because it leads unto joy and salvation and life, not only for that child, but for us. So Jesus uses the example. Paul uses the example. And then John uses the example is given the example, we should say, in his vision in Revelation chapter 12. A great sign appeared in the heavens, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant. And she was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars from heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. So she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with an iron rod, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Think about this. The devil hates human life because he hates God. He knows he can't kill God, so he works to kill human life. He sees it as the next best thing. And then it says this child, who of course is Jesus, but also represents us because we are the body of Christ. He's the head, we are the members, we are one body is swept up to God and his throne. Reminds us of Revelation 3.21, to the victor I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. This is what God thinks of human life and the child being rescued from the fiery hatred of the devil who wants abortion, who wants euthanasia, who wants all kinds of violence, who wants death to humanity. This sweeping up to the throne of God indicates the overall victory of life, which is in scripture from the very beginning to the very end and is what salvation is all about. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. To the full means forever. 
Can we have any doubt as to the centrality of the pro-life stance of the church and of scripture to salvation itself, pregnancy and childbirth, a summary of Christ's saving mission. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for every pregnant mother right now. Let her realize her dignity, the dignity of her child, and the great privilege of suffering for the sake of life, of giving birth and the joy of that birth. We know, Lord, that every birth reflects the joy of the birth of Christ and the joy of eternal life for us all. May we defend the pregnancy. May we defend childbirth. May we defend motherhood and fatherhood. May we defend life. And Lord, we ask that all despair, which would lead to abortion, be replaced by hope, which leads to a generous and joyful welcome of life. May we be vehicles of that hope as we counsel in pregnancy centers, as we sidewalk counsel, as we spread the pro-life message, as we teach and preach about it, as we do everything we possibly can to exalt and defend the lives of our unborn brothers and sisters and to support mothers and fathers in their vocation. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And to the mother of life, let us pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Thanks, friends. God bless you. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, I'm Evangelist Alveda King. Our team at Priest for Life produces many books, pamphlets, audio and video presentations, and other resources to help you protect the unborn. I invite you today to visit our online store at ProLifeProducts.org and see the many helpful resources you can get for yourself, your pro-life group, and your church. God bless you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.